On this week's edition of New York Now, Election Day is Tuesday. We'll tell you what to expect on the ballot. Then we'll break down where top races stand with this week's panel. And later, Senate Deputy Majority Leader Mike Gianaris on control of the state Senate and more. I'm Dan Clark, and this is New York Now. Today, the Senate majority will pass legislation. I will fight like hell for you every single day, like I've always done and always will. Welcome to this week's edition of New York Now. I'm Dan Clark. We are finally here. Election Day is Tuesday. If you caught the show last week, we answered your questions about Prop 1, the Environmental Bond Act. But this week, we're giving you a final look at the state's top races. When you head to the polls Tuesday, you'll vote in New York's statewide elections. Those are for governor, U.S. Senate, state attorney general, and state controller. You'll also decide members of the state legislature. And this year, those races are different. Take a look. It's an unusual election year in New York. Democrats, usually confident in what's considered a deep blue state, are now playing defense just days away from the election. And it starts at the top of the ticket in the race for governor. Governor Kathy Hochul is hoping voters elect her to a full term. She's been in office since last August, when former Governor Andrew Cuomo resigned over claims of sexual misconduct. I want people to believe in their government again. It's important to me that people have faith. Our strength comes from the faith and the confidence of the people who put us in these offices. And I take that very seriously. She's running against Congressman Lee Zeldin, the Republican nominee. And polls show the race tighter than Democrats anticipated. A recent poll from Siena College had Hochul up by 11 points. And another poll from Quinnipiac showed just a four-point margin. Hochul's pitching voters on her experience as governor, lieutenant governor, a member of Congress, and more. I've been your governor. It's the highest honor of my life the last 14 months. Every single day I wake up thinking about how I can fight harder for you and your families, to invest in education for your kids, give you more child care opportunities so you can get back to your jobs. But Zeldin has been a strong campaigner. Polls show crime and the economy as top issues for New York voters, and he centered his campaign around both. This is everything for all New Yorkers of all stripes. It doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or an independent, a conservative, a moderate, a liberal. All New Yorkers are hitting their breaking point right now, and they are desperate for us to be successful in this effort to re restore balance in Albany. He's focused in recent months on New York City and its suburbs, hoping independents and even moderate Democrats will side with him. He wants to boost funding for law enforcement and undo recent criminal justice changes at the state level. And while data shows no connection between those changes and the state's rise in crime, Zeldin says it's about a culture shift. We can continue with the status quo where they believe they haven't passed enough pro-criminal laws or we could take control of our destiny and make sure law-abiding New Yorkers are in charge of our streets again. And that's just the top of the ticket. Senator Chuck Schumer, a Democrat from New York who's the current majority leader of the U.S. Senate, is getting a challenge from media personality and Republican political strategist Joe Pinion. Pinion is hoping voters are tired of Schumer who's been in Congress for 40 years. Because he is, in fact, 
an exceptional politician, one of the best that has ever lived. He's a failed senator. He's failed the people of this state on multiple occasions. But Schumer wants to flip that message. He says his experience is a plus and that as Senate Majority Leader, he's an asset to New York. For example, people always used to decry that New York sent more money to Washington than we got back. For the first time under my leadership, we got more money back than we sent to Washington. Further down the ticket, Republican Michael Henry wants to be New York's next attorney general. I would, I would be more cognizant of the taxpayer dollars as the attorney general. I would not waste the taxpayer dollars on lawsuits that really don't have standing or done more for political purposes. And I would evaluate everything in the best interest of the taxpayer of the state of New York. But to do that, he'll have to unseat the current AG, Tish James, a Democrat from Brooklyn. Henry says that James hasn't done enough to combat crime. Though it should be noted that the AG's office doesn't have the power to prosecute and sometimes investigate without a referral. The office is more involved with civil cases, like in September when James sued former President Donald Trump over alleged business fraud. Everyday people cannot lie to a bank about how much money they have in order to get a favorable loan to buy a home or to send their kid to college. And if they did, the government would throw the book at them. Why should this be any different? Voters will also decide the race for state controller, a relatively unknown position that audits state spending and revenue and manages the public pension fund. The incumbent is Tom DiNapoli, a Democrat. He's been in office for 15 years, making him one of the longest serving state controllers in state history. And like Hochul, he's selling voters on his experience. We live in such a polarized uh, time, and folks uh, sometimes get sidetracked. Social media or slogans or, you know, uh, don't want to hear the details. Well, you know, I think we need to have more thoughtful discussion about all these issues. They're complex. But he's getting a challenge this year from Paul Rodriguez, the Republican candidate. Rodriguez spent his career in the state's banking industry before recently moving over to development for the archdiocese. He says DiNapoli hasn't used the powers of the controller's office to their fullest extent. What I think one of the biggest challenges is that I don't think that very powerful bully pulpit that is the controller's office is utilized well and efficient enough. And at the local level, voters will also choose members of the state legislature. While the assembly is traditionally a Democratic stronghold, Republicans are hoping to pick up ground in the state Senate or even take the majority. That could change the dynamic in Albany when lawmakers return for the new legislative session in January. And you may also see other local races on the ballot like judgeships, DA, and more, but let's look into our crystal balls for next week with Yancey Roy from Newsday and Anna Gronwald from Politico. Thank you both for being here. So I want to start with you, Yancey. Um, I said at the top of that story that it's been an unusual election year in New York. I'm wondering if you agree. It, it, to me, it's been strange because we see uh, closer gaps in races. We also see a kind of different dynamic, maybe even uh, 
different than two years ago. What do you think? Well, you know, in some ways, the overview is that it is a typical year in that um, any kind of off-year election year usually bodes well for the party that doesn't hold the White House, which right now is Republicans. Um, but it is different in, in many ways. Like you said, first of all, the governor's race is as close as it's been in 28 years and ni since 1994. Um, so there's that. And also what's changed, and this has changed not just, I think, in New York, but other states, is the whole, like, nationalization of issues, mm -hmm. nationalization of elections, where you see uh, local races such as Senate and Assembly and even, like, lower uh, candidates talking about topics that are national in theme and not necessarily as much, you know, your local issues. So there's sort of an overview, an overlay, if you will, of broad themes across the states, across sort of the ballot, if you will. And I think it's almost easier for Republicans to campaign on that stuff right now, right? Because Democrats are in control, as you said, in the White House and in Congress. But here in New York, Democrats are in control of the legislature, the governor's office, and kind of the state court system. So for them, really their campaign this year has to be, is your life better or is it not? And these are the people in power, get them out. That's, that's, that's their message, and I think it's been really effective. Anna, you interviewed the governor uh, last week or the week before. I think it was last week, but everything's kind of blended together <laughs> in these final days of the election. Um, what was her tone like? What was her vibe with you? We had her on in August. I'm wondering, like, did she, did she feel confident going into these final days to you? You know, she's certainly projecting confidence, and she had a rally uh, that we were at last uh, two nights ago, I believe, and um, she was as, I think, energetic as I've seen her. That might just be adrenaline in the final days of campaign. But when we interviewed, it was shortly after a couple of polls that had come out um, showing that Zeldin was actually a lot closer than maybe some of the previous polls had predicted. Yeah. And uh, we had asked her about that, and she, her classic line is, I was run like an underdog, I'm not looking at the polls. But she and her team were very clearly pivoting towards some of the issues that Zeldin had been using in his campaign, trying to make a stronger case for her ability to get guns off the street and to uh, tackle public safety issues. Um, and that was something that came up um, in our interview, and it also is something that, following that, uh, became a much stronger message on her part. Yancy, do you think that Lee Zeldin has a chance at this? I mean, like, the, the oh, polls sure. are very close. Yeah, sure. And I think there is, for Democrats, this feeling still that he does not have a chance. And to me, I'm looking at the polls and seeing the way that things are trending. And it looks like he does have a good shot at this. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I think it, he does absolutely has a shot in this. It, uh, a lot of it will depend on get out the vote efforts uh, over the next couple of days, uh, with what with early voting still going this weekend, and also on Tuesday. Um, and, and to go back to one thing that Anna mentioned, uh, Governor Hochul said uh, she takes this as an underdog. Well, you know what? She hasn't been running like an underdog at right. all. And they've only kicked in the gear recently on some of these issues. So I, I think it is moved. It, in some ways, it's amazing that it's moved from the poll that came right after Labor Day, 17-point lead for mm -hmm. Hochul, all the way down to, depending on which poll you look, single digits and, and people saying, hey, we don't, we're not sure how this is going to turn out. So it's going to be really important for Democrats and Republicans to really churn their base and say, don't sit this one out, go vote. Yeah, that's, that's interesting, because to me, as I look at this, and I think you're exactly right, it seems like Democrats really only started to take this seriously in the past month or so. It seems like before that, at least in my opinion, Democrats really were not campaigning in a strong way around the state, especially the governor, uh, the state attorney general, 
basically has no campaign because she feels very confident, I'm assuming. The controller doesn't really have a campaign because he feels very confident, I'm assuming. Um, Anna, what do you think that leads to? Do you think that this is a situation where we could have Democrats turn out in lower numbers because of that? Or, uh, I don't know, will a last kind of day's message work? Well, we'll see what happens, um, how this final push has played out. But I do know we were looking at some numbers yesterday and we saw that as far as um, ad buys and TV pushes over the past month or so since um, those polls came out, Democrats and Republicans are spending about equally. And I think that's mm. a hugely different dynamic to see Republicans have a ground game and a spending game in the millions just as much as the Democrats do in the final days. And I don't think that anyone was prepared for that or has been prepared over the past year. And I think that, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned the, the statewide candidates like uh, AG, Comptroller, Governor had been kind of not having much of a campaign. In contrast, I think that the ground-level assembly and ascendant people of the Democrats have actually been out there pretty aggressively. And um, you talk about coattails. I think one interesting thing that might happen this year or that strategists are talking about is sort of a reverse coattails. To go back to what we talked to in the beginning, um, there's like this national overlay of issues. And if there's a sentiment for Republic, more, you know, Republican control of Congress and people want to, hey, I'd like to see a Republican Congress, that they might vote up the ticket, okay, and now I'll also maybe vote for the Republican at the top of the ticket. So, uh, you know, I think in some ways the battle for Congress is kind of pushing things up the ballot, or it could. Mm. We'll see how it works this yeah. time. That's really, and, and so that's Long Island. I, I think that might be the case upstate, too. I, I, but I have no idea. Anna, what do you think? Have you been watching these upstate races? It's okay if you haven't. <laughs> I, because I have, but it's also very confusing because of redistricting. So when I'm talking about, like, the 19th congressional district, in my head I'm thinking of where it is, but it's not where it is anymore. So I just have no idea. What's your sense? You know, thank God for the CUNY project that remaps all of them. I, I visit yeah. that website every single day. Um, I, I think that it's very similar to what Yancy has suggested, that there is... Um, there's confusion over what exactly the turnout might look like, and there's also confusion over which issues are actually resonating with people. Mm -hmm. Some national issues like abortion may or may not be resonating as strong. Some national issues like inflation and crime may or may not be. And I think we have some, um, we have a couple of races that are looking to be very close. I know um, Sean Patrick Maloney in the new 17th yeah. is, um, <laughs> is definitely um, feeling some heat, and we have a we have a couple of open seats as well that are true toss-ups. I think no one, there's some of the few true toss-ups in the country, and that's very strange to see in a very blue state like New York. It's interesting because we have these issues like crime and inflation that are so important to voters, it seems that those are universal issues. And when we look at polling, those are at the top of the list of important issues. And in some of the polls, you see abortion, at least in terms of New York voters, as a lower issue, I think, because people think that there is no threat to their abortion rights here. Um, but then I get emails and, and uh, you know, stuff from viewers who say, this is my number one issue. So it's just an interesting dynamic with everything that is on everyone's plate this year. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see Tuesday. We're out of time. Anna Grolon from Politico, Yancey Roy from Newsday, thank you both so much. And if you want more on Tuesday's elections, check out our website. Our digital team put together a great voter resources page that's free to explore ahead of Tuesday. As always, that's at nynow.org. But turning now to the state Senate, as we told you, all 213 seats in the state legislature are on the ballot Tuesday. That's for state Senate and Assembly. And while the Assembly is a Democratic stronghold, the state Senate is less certain. 
Democrats have a strong majority there now. But Republicans think they could pick up at least a few seats, or even take the majority on Tuesday. That would split control in Albany, though Democrats seem confident they'll hold on to power. So for more on that, I spoke this week with Senate Deputy Majority Leader Mike Gianaris, who's the chair of the State Democratic Senate Campaign Committee. Senator Gianaris, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Dan. Of course, anytime. So polls show that statewide races this year are a little bit tighter than usual. I don't know if that actually affects your state Senate races going into next Tuesday, but tell me how you're feeling in these final days of the election. I guess the question is, what do we mean by tighter than usual? Uh, first of all, yes, anything that's happening at the top of the ticket uh, has an effect on all the other races on the ballot. So we will certainly be affected by how well uh, Governor Hochul does uh, at the top. Uh, but uh, what people lose sight of in all the uh, prognostication is that this is an off-year midterm uh, with uh, our party having uh, control of the presidency. And every time that's happened in recent history, that's been bad news for the party in power. It worked in our favor in 2018 when Donald Trump was president, worked against us in 2010 and 2014. Uh, so the headwinds we're facing are not at all unusual historically. That being said, New York is a very blue state, and we're hoping that uh, uh, we will still have success uh, on Tuesday. Where are you focusing right now? Usually the battleground areas are more of the Long Island, maybe the Hudson Valley, central New York area. What are you looking at right now in terms of these races that you are seeing as really competitive and that you want to keep or pick up? Well, yeah, this is a bit unprecedented for us in terms of usual battleground races because the districts have all been redrawn uh, and uh, not by us, right? It was done by uh, someone, an academic in Pennsylvania who was appointed by a Republican judge. So. Uh, we're doing our best to figure out what that means, but uh, typically speaking, the battlegrounds that Governor Hochul uh, is, are fa is facing are the same that we're facing. So yes, Long Island is always a place that swings back and forth. The Hudson Valley uh, is becoming increasingly Democratic, uh, but also uh, home to some competitive races. Uh, and the upstate cities, uh, and you're talking about Syracuse, Rochester, Buffalo, uh, and a new opportunity for us in the Binghamton, Ithaca area, where we have a, a strong candidate in Leah Webb who's, who's doing a great job there. It seems like Republicans, their message in this year's elections is to really hammer home this point that they want to break what they're calling one party rule, which means that Democrats control the governor's office, both chambers of the legislature and the state court system. What's your overall pitch to voters to keep Democrats in the majority in the Senate? What's your well, message well, to them? Well, we clearly don't control the state court system, and that was that was made evident over the last several months. But uh, the point is, it took um, a unified legislature under Democratic control to make progress on so many issues that have been sitting dormant for decades because the artificial Republican majority in the Senate was stopping them. Uh, and so when we look at the national um, crisis around abortion and reproductive health care, New York took steps to uh, provide protection for the women in our state uh, as soon as we took the majority in 2019. That would never have happened with the Republican Senate. The common sense gun laws that we put in place would never have happened with a, with a Republican Senate. And so uh, the we have the ability now to point at the last four years of real achievement, real progress uh, that would not have happened unless uh, the legislature was unified. What people who want to divide the government really want is gridlock. So, if they don't want government to work at all, then yes, so go split the houses of the legislature among two parties. We know what that's like. It's been the case here for the better part of a century until we broke that logjam in 2018. Uh, and I don't think it's been uh, for the benefit of the state to have 
the houses split and unable to come to agreement. Late budgets were uh, a normal thing back then, as you recall. Uh, we have been able to govern very effectively uh, and very progressively, which I believe is what the state wants. Yeah, is there anything on deck for this coming session if you do stay in the majority? I, I assume voters are wondering what people are going to do if they stay in the majority or take the majority in the case of if the Republicans picked up to 12 or 13 seats this election. So what's on deck for the Democrats? Well, as tough a year as it might be, I don't think that's in the cards. So I, I think a uh, Democratic majority is, uh, is likely to be here for the long haul. Um, and uh, we have a lot of unfinished business to do, I think, uh, dealing with housing laws throughout the state and making sure people can stay in their homes and have homes to stay in um, is something that uh, we started making some progress on, but still have a lot of work to do. There are some efforts to combat um, the effects of big, giant, uh, wealthy corporations on small businesses, which are hurting throughout our state, particularly after the pandemic. Uh, and I'm proud to carry a bill that would do just that and level the playing field. Uh, it has the support of a lot of the small business community and past the Senate. We're trying to get uh, get that measure through the Assembly next year as well. Uh, there's no shortage of, uh, of things that we have to do, uh, including focusing on the economy at this difficult time, making life more affordable for New Yorkers, uh, expanding child care uh, and pre-K throughout the state. Uh, there are things that we have made significant progress on uh, that are still in progress. And so we have to finish the job. And that's what people can expect with our majority. Do you think that progress will be blocked if you lose a few seats and you lose what you have as a supermajority in the Senate right now? I think that was more important when you had Andrew Cuomo as governor and you may have needed that veto override power a little bit more then. Do you see that as a necessity now moving forward with a Governor Kathy Hochul if she wins in November? We want to have as many seats as we can have, obviously. Um, but you pointed out we had uh, more hostility coming from our own governor back then, uh, which is no longer the case. And even then, we never had to exercise the override power that we had with the supermajority. Sometimes it's just the leverage that's obtained from everybody knowing that it exists that that helps negotiations along. But we have worked very cooperatively with Governor Hochul by all accounts. Um, she has done a very responsible job and governed in a more collaborative fashion than her predecessor, low bar as that may be, but she has been more um, solicitous of other people's opinions and uh, deciding the right way forward. Uh, we certainly appreciate that. So look, we would love to have a supermajority, but if we come up a couple of seats short of that, it will still be the second largest majority in the history of the state and we'll govern just fine and very effectively. Now, what if Lee Zeldin wins the race for governor and we have a Republican in the governor's office, you have the majority in the Senate, Democrats will keep the assembly, no problem. What do you see as that dynamic if it happens next year between the legislature and the governor? How would that change things? Well, it would certainly change things a lot. When we would move from a legislature that uh, is working on uh, enacting things for the betterment of the people of the state, uh, helping people uh, afford their lives better, afford their rents, uh, take care of their children, afford higher education, uh, improve uh, um, uh, lower education as well. Uh, there's all sorts of things we can do with democratic control of the houses and the governor. If we have a, a Republican governor who is, by his own accounts, a, a Trump acolyte, uh, trying to reverse the progress that we've made, it's going to become a, a much more of a hostile and defensive posture we would adopt. Uh, than is currently the case. I don't think that's for the benefit of New Yorkers. I hope they uh, don't see that either and therefore elect uh, Governor Hochul uh, to another term. Uh, but we'll find out in about a week uh, exactly how that's going to come down. Before I let you go, I want to ask you about the Court of Appeals. So if you do t uh, 
keep the majority in the state Senate. In January, you will vote to confirm or reject, if you want to, the governor's next pick for a chief judge for the Court of Appeals. I understand there's been a lot of talk about what that person should be, what their background should be. Who do you see as the person who should be the next chief judge of our state's highest court? And what are you hearing from your colleagues on that? Well, context is important, right? We're coming off of a tenure, uh, Janet DeFiori's tenure, which by most accounts has been the uh, worst administration of a chief judge in the Court of Appeals modern history. Uh, and so we've got a lot of work to do to right the ship there. Uh, part of the problem was there's not a lot of diversity in terms of experience on the court. Uh, it's dominated by people of a certain background uh, and has neglected uh, uh, other experiences throughout our state that would be a benefit. Myself uh, and 20 of my colleagues in the state Senate uh, signed a letter to the nominating commission saying just that, uh, that as they come up with their shortlist for the governor to consider, uh, please make sure that it's not people who all share the same exact experience, same exact background, only reflect a very narrow sliver of the legal community, uh, because everyone can agree that the court would benefit from having different views that they can discuss and different opinions on the court. Uh, what's important is that historically, the Senate, uh, mostly under Republican control, has been a rubber stamp on these nominations uh, and has just, in some cases, had hearings and votes to confirm on the very same day, not very deliberative and transparent. Uh, and we're committed now to, um, to fixing that as well and taking seriously our powers under the, US, under the state constitution to advise and consent uh, on these uh, nominations. And so when the governor makes her selection in the next month or two, uh, we will be taking it seriously. I know Senator Oilman intends to be very deliberate as the uh, chair of our Judiciary Committee and overseeing this process. And people can expect uh, a very transparent and open debate about the direction of the court. It's really interesting. It'll be really interesting to see how that turns out in January and the weeks following as that nomination moves forward or doesn't. Senate Deputy Majority Leader Mike Gianaris, thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. Make sure everybody gets out and votes, Dan. And again, we have some voter resources up on our website ahead of Tuesday. We'll be back next week with a look at the results. Until then, thanks for watching this week's New York Now. Have a great week and be well. Funding for New York Now is provided by WNET.